Guys, I'm in the book of Luke, chapter uh, 11. I'm going to begin reading in verse 37, and we're going to finish out the chapter because, you know, we had a lot of stuff going on. I think it's time we finish chapter 11. So, uh, so here we go. Uh, starting in verse 37, it says, When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went and he, and, and he reclined at the table. But the Pharisee, noting that Je- uh, noticing that Jesus did not first wash before the meal, was surprised. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness, you foolish people. Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But give what is inside the dish to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint and rue and all kinds of other uh, garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves which men walk over without knowing it. One of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. And Jesus replied, And you experts in the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens that they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Woe to you, because you build tombs for the prophets, and it was your forefathers who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your forefathers did. They killed the prophets, and you build their tombs. Because of this, God in his wisdom said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill, and others they will persecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all of the prophets that has been shed since the beginning of the world. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. Woe to you, experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who are entering. When Jesus left there, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him and something that he might say. And so um, the words that Jesus speaks here in this passage are really meant for two groups of people, right? The first group is the Pharisees, and the second group is the scribes. And when I say Pharisees, you guys probably think of religious teachers. You might even make the mistake of trying to say, well, that was like a pastor, right? But, but the Pharisees were much more than just religious teachers. In fact, they were known for being extremely political. And, and in fact, the reason uh, that they pushed the law so much is it was their belief that you could only be made right through the law. The law was the only thing that could bring righteousness. And, and, and they pushed the law upon the people because it was their belief that if they could make enough people obey the laws of God, a.k.a. make them righteous, then God would be forced, forcing God, that's never a good theology, but then God would be forced to return and restore Jerusalem to a place of prominence. So, so they were extremely religious, but they were also like extremely political. And, and the scribes were kind of just their right-hand man. Think of them kind of like lawyers. They, 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 they were Congress. They were trying to figure out how to pass the laws and how to implement the laws and how to add details to the laws. That was kind of their job. And, and that's who Jesus is, is speaking to. And so then the question for us really this morning is, is do these words to zealously religious and political people have anything to do with us? 
Some are nodding their head. Yep, that's us. I'm not saying it's you. I'm just saying. Some, many people think that this text doesn't apply to us. Uh, they, they think it was just for those people. But I believe that the truths, the principles that Jesus teaches here actually are far-reaching, and they have much to do with, with who we are. And so this morning, we're just going to pick out a few of them. I, I didn't have time to do all of them, so I'm going to talk to you about three things specifically, three principles that Jesus teaches that I believe wholeheartedly have to do with things that we can and do struggle with, okay? And since this passage is dealing with disappointments, that's what a woe is. It's a disappointment. He, he, he's disappointed. It, it, it means he's sad. Uh, it, he, he's depressed over the way that they believe. So since this is dealing with disappointment, these six woes. This morning, we're going to focus on how you and I can sometimes miss the mark too, okay? Three things I'll share with you quickly, and here's the first. First thing I want you to see, guys, is that it is woeful, right? It's, it's disappointing. It, it's sad. It, it's depressing. It is woeful when we are so focused on what we do that we neglect who we are. It is woeful when we are so focused on what we do that we neglect who we are. And so this whole conversation, right, this entire discourse happens when a Pharisee invites Jesus over for a meal and, and, and Jesus obliges. He says, yeah, I'll go to your house to eat. And when he shows up, Jesus neglects to wash his hands. Now, you may think, well, wow, that, that's not very sanitary of our Savior. Um, but this actually had nothing um, to do with hygiene. This was purely ceremonial. So you see the really religious folks, the Pharisees and the scribes, um, they, they, every time they would eat, they would just pour some water over their hands. It wasn't like a soap and water washing. Like, it was just they would pour water over their hands, and they would do it to symbolize the fact that they had been out in the world and they had been contaminated you know, by those sinful people, and it was a way to symbolize that they were pure again before they ate. It was just another way to declare that they were righteous and everybody else wasn't. And Jesus, imagine that, chose not to partake in that. He decided that he wouldn't do it, and, and, and so the, the, the audience, and this man in particular, that invite, is, is, seems to be very disappointed in the fact that Jesus didn't wash his hands like they did. And so Jesus, picking up on his disappointment, says, Oh yeah, well, if you want to talk about disappointment, let me share a few things that I'm disappointed in you guys with. Which brings me, you know, on, on a side note to prayer. I, I don't want to express my disappointment with God after reading this passage, right? I don't even think, God, I'm really disappointed because he might just point out six things that I'm not doing so hot in. Um, and, and so that's what happens. Jesus begins this discourse and he talks to him uh, about um, these things that they're struggling in. And so I'm going to read 39 through 41 again. It says, the Lord said uh, to him, now then, you Pharisees. And you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people. Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But give what is inside the dish to the poor and everything will be clean for you. And of course, the point that Jesus is making here, guys, is that it's possible to check all of the religious boxes and still be a really bad person. Let's say that again. It's possible to check all of the religious boxes and still be a really bad person. He says, you guys are so worried about the things that you do and the way that you appear. You're so worried about the outside, but your inside is corrupt. And he uses two words that are really strong, right? And, and keep in mind, these are the most religious people of the day. These are the people that everyone would look to and go, oh my gosh, they've got it all together, right? And Jesus is going, you don't have it all together. You're doing all the stuff, but you're still really bad people. 
And he uses two words uh, there in verse 39. Look at it. He says, uh, but the inside, inside you're full of greed and wickedness. Now the first term, and this may be because I, I watch Pirates of the Caribbean Friday with my kids, but the first term is like, like you would call a pirate this, right? He said, you are full of greed. Because the first term in Greek, it, it literally means the act of plundering. Right? He's like, you are pirates. You, you are plunderers of people. That's who you are on the inside. You're doing all this stuff on the outside, but you're actually a, a robber of, of, of people. And then he says, but not only are you greedy, you're also wicked. And the word wicked means to, com, uh, to be completely depraved, to be full of evil purposes and, and desires. What Jesus says to these men is, listen, you may, you may try to act like you have it all together on the outside, but on the inside, you are corrupt as corrupt can be. And so he teaches them this really important lesson. Ready? God doesn't just care about what you do. Okay? He does. God certainly says, like, be holy because I'm holy. But I think sometimes as a culture, we, we get caught up in that. We think it's all about what we do. And this lesson is huge. He says, listen, God doesn't just care about what you do. He also cares about who you are. God doesn't just care about what you do. He also cares about who you are, right? Yes, doing the right thing. Yes, having righteous behavior. Yes, that is important, but it is pointless if we're not the right people. So I want to talk to you about some things that we do, some of those boxes that we check, and and the ways that that could affect us, right? Like going to church. That's a good thing, right? I mean, I said it earlier, like, we want you here because, like, it's a good thing. Jesus went to church and, 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 like, we're not the same without you. Like, it's really good. Do you know it's totally possible to be in church every Sunday and not actually worship God at all? It's totally possible to get here and to come here and to do it out of habit. None of you are guilty sinners like me, right? Never happened. You guys have never mouthed it through the verses that we sang or thought to yourself, oh, that's not my favorite song. It just happened, didn't it, one of you? Caught you. Uh-huh. It's totally possible to come here and still be completely self-centered instead of Christ-centered, isn't it? It's totally possible in our fallen nature to still come here and make it all about us, go through the motions, leave unchanged, not actually submit our will or ourselves to Christ at all. It's totally possible to go to church and not actually worship God. What about prayer? Do you know it's totally possible to do that too? You can totally pray and not be transformed at all. You can totally pray selfishly. Absolutely. God, I'm about to eat a 15-patty cheeseburger with bacon and avocado all over it. Please don't let me die of a coronary. Please. I had one yesterday too, but it's okay. Right? God, God bless me. I'm, I'm, I'm about to do this. It's totally possible to, to pray completely self-centered prayers instead of Christ-centered prayers, which look more like, God, here I am. I am yours. Have your way with me. Right? Totally different. It's totally uh, possible to, to, to study the Bible. Do you know that you can study the Bible and still get nothing out of it? These guys were the most Bible-studying people you'd ever met, and yet they were not good people. God does not just want to transform your behavior. He wants to change your life. He wants to change your heart. He wants to change your mind. God is not just about what you do. He is about who you are. It's a big lesson. It's a big lesson. Number two, it is woeful when we are so focused on the letter of the law that we miss its true meaning. It is woeful 
when we are so focused on the letter of the law that we miss its true meaning. Verse 42, he says, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint and rue and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Listen to me. Um, tithing is, is a commandment. It, it really is. I, I don't talk about it a lot, not because I'm uncomfortable with it, but I, I'm, just, I'm not one of those pastors. I know some churches, they talk about tithing almost every, like it's in every sermon. Like we don't do that here. We deal with it when the text deals with it. The text deals with this. Listen, tithing is a command. Right? It, it, just, it just is. It says bring your whole tithe into the, war, into the storehouse. And so it really is a command. Um, and, and, and listen, we could talk about it from, from the needs basis, which I don't, I don't love. You know, we could say, hey, we're a, we're a big church and we've got many needs. And if you don't give to help support the ministries, how are we going to do those ministries? That's really not the heart of why we take up an offering. Do you know why we collect tithes and offerings? Because God commands it. Because God commands it from you. He commands it from me. We collect tithes and offering at the end of service, not, not to pay light bills or to pay salaries. Or, we collect tithes and offerings at the end of service so that you can be faithful, to provide you with an opportunity to worship God and to be true to his word. That's why we collect them, right? For, for our benefit is why we, we collect them and for God's glory, right? And it's an opportunity for each of us to be faithful, to declare that God is our king, that he's the giver of everything that we have, and, and, and it's a chance to enter into God's blessing because God says when we do that, he throws open the floodgates, right? And, and so this is this great opportunity for us. And, and listen, it, it's an act of love and appreciation. It's meant to be joyous. Do you know it says that we're supposed to enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise? Do you know it's like we're actually supposed to give and like like it, right? Right? And, and I, hear me, I get it. That is totally opposite of how we're trained early on in the world, right? I, I, Cole's helping out with Children's Church, which I'm super excited with today. He had a job over the holidays, made really good money. And then we were talking to him about tithing. He looked at me like, that's a lot. He did. He was like, can I just, like, what, what about a little bit of that? Can I just give that? I said, well, that's not really a tithe. You know, the word tithe means tenth. And he goes, 10% is a lot. I said, yeah. But how'd you get that money? I guess God provided me with the opportunity. Yeah, buddy, he did. Yeah, buddy, he did, right? Okay. Listen, um, it's meant to be joyful. And sometimes it's hard for it to be joyful. And here's what I want you to see the Pharisees had done. They took an act of joy. They took an act of worship. Like, like and by the way, I, I said in the first service, maybe we need to change, no more announcements during offering. We're like singing praise songs. This is awesome. Can't wait to put it in the plate. I don't know. We'll write it. It'll be good. Um, and, and like, whatever it is, maybe we should do that. But, but here's the deal. The Pharisees took that and they made, they, they sucked all the life and joy out of the offering. They really did. They're like, oh, 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 really? So you, bought t- you brought in 10% of all your wheat and grain. Well, that's good. But, but where's the 10% of your parsley? Parsley? The priests don't want to eat parsley. Like, what's it? I mean, I mean, really, they're like every little uh, herb in your garden, 10%. That's got to be that. If you, if you want to be holy like we're holy, that's how you... They sucked all the life and joy out of the offering, right? Listen. Jesus doesn't necessarily condemn them for it. Not for the way that they gave. Not for the fact that they wanted to give of every little area. What he does say instead is this. He basically looks at them and says this. How much time, energy, and effort are you spending on this command while you're completely ignoring this one? You know the second greatest of all the commands to love people? 
How much time, energy, and effort are you spending on the thing that's commanded but is not central as opposed to the one thing that is central? Because you've received my love, you love others. How much time, energy, and effort? And this is really the anthem throughout Jesus' ministry, that the law was always about our hearts. The law was always meant to transform us. The law was always meant to change who we are, not just what we do. That's his anthem. And I want you to hear me clearly this morning. Anytime we get caught up in zealously pursuing the non-essential, we miss that. We miss the meaning. We miss the meaning. Anytime we get caught up in the non-essential, we miss the fact that the entire law was meant to point us to our need for Jesus who has died to cover our wickedness and, and, and who rose again and conquered death, who ascended into heaven and sent us his very own spirit to live in us so that we can be holy and righteous, so that we can experience his blessing here on earth. Anytime we get caught up and zealous about the non-essential. We miss the heart of the gospel. Okay? Number three. Number three. <clears throat> I want you to understand this morning that it is woeful when we act like we have it all together because we want to look good in front of others. <laughs> it is woeful when we act like we have it all together because we want to look good in front of others. Look at verse 43 and 44. He says, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and the greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which men walk over without knowing it. See, the Pharisees, they absolutely love the attention that they got. They loved the way that other people thought about him. Like, like they loved the fact that when they walked out in public in their great, beautiful, religious garb, that people were like, oh, those robes are so gorgeous. They loved the fact that when they prayed, people sat and were like, oh, did you hear him pray? He's such a good prayer. They loved the fact that they were known for the people that had the answers when it came to the Bible, that you could ask all the question, uh, questions to. They, they, they loved it. You see, there was only one problem. His name was Jesus. <laughs> because these, these people that, 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 that literally um, were, were just kind of doing this life this way, Jesus comes to them and he shows the world that they are just a bunch of phonies. So he does. Jesus shows up and he's like, you guys are frauds, right? You're completely faking it. I mean, I mean think, think through this with me. These are the people that everybody looked to. These are the people that everybody wanted to be like. And they wanted to be like them because they presented themselves in such a way. that They presented themselves. They cared so much about what everyone else thought that they presented themselves in such a way that they looked like they always had all their stuff together. They were never a mess. They understood it all. They had all of the answers. And they were great and godly and perfect and wonderful. And they did that because they liked the attention. And Jesus condemns them and says, You know what you have done? He says, What you have become is like an unmarked grave for all the people that flock to you. So imagine this. If we're in that day and we're in that time and the only people, like the religious heads that you look up to, are faking it, what are you going to aim for? The same thing. You're going to think that what makes you right before God is dressing really nice. And what makes you right before God is praying fancy prayers. You might even use thee and thou, right? 
You're going to think that what makes you great before God is, is, is knowing all the answers, even though you don't do any of them. And that's what you're going to aim for. And Jesus says, when people follow you, they're actually like walking over open graves. Now, now, poor people didn't have enough money to put a headstone up. And according to Jewish law, if you like walked over a grave, if you came into contact with a grave, you were ceremonial unclean. Remember, they're all about ceremony. And he says, that's who you are to the people that look at you. You're so worried about, about how they perceive you. You're living such a life that, that if they come after you, if they try to be like you, if they try to emulate you, they basically discredit themselves in the eyes of God. So instead of helping them, you're actually hurting them. Now, I want to I bring that down to our level because I think there's some application here for us. I think this principle applies for us too. Ready? This place, this gathering of believers, this place, ready? This place um, is not a museum. This place is not an art gallery. This place is not a showroom. This place is not a country club. This place is a hospital. That's what this place is. It is a hospital for those that are sick and in need of Jesus. That's what this place is. And I, I want to say this to you. Listen, if, if you are, um, if you're killing it right now and you've got all of life together, I just want you to know we're so thankful for you. Like, because we know that doesn't come easy. When life is good and you kind of have it together, I know that it just didn't happen magically. I know there's been work involved. I know you've gone through tough seasons. So if, if life is great right now, I want you to know we are so, we praise God for that in your life. We do. But I also want you to know that you don't have to have it all together to be here. And so I'm, I'm going to give you a piece of advice that I, I think may have some huge, um, consequence in your life, okay? So I, if you can write it down, write it down. But just, just a warning about church and, and how you um, go about church in your life from now on. Ready? Uh, please, don't ever let your desire for others to see you in a positive light. Don't ever let your desire for others to see you in a positive light cause you to be fake here. See what I'm saying? Don't ever let your desire for others to see you in a positive light cause you to be fake here because that is not church. And those consequences can be devastating. Devastating. Ah. My mother-in-law um, posted a quote uh, this week on Facebook, which... Um, if you guys know me, I, I kind of, uh, I go about studying and writing in weird ways. I typically write a part and then I walk away from it and I think about it and I work through it and I talk about it and then I'll come back. On one of those breaks and, and one of the parts in the sermon, she posted this quote from Rick Warren on Facebook. And I thought it was awesome. Uh, he says this, he says, our biggest hurdle to holiness is our desire to look good. Just let that sink in for a second. Our Our, our, our biggest hurdle to holiness is our desire to look good. Once we get over that, we're free from a huge roadblock that stands between us and where God wants us to be. And I love that quote so much that I went looking for its original source, and I found the rest of it. And here's the rest of the quote. He says this. He says, if you're serious about changing the deepest, darkest defects in your life, you have to overcome the fear of being honest. 
We waste an enormous amount of energy trying to cover up our sins, our hurts, our hang-ups, and our defects. If you spent as much time being honest about what's not right in your life as you do covering it up, you'd have a lot more energy for what is right in your life. Honesty. It's woeful when we fake it because we like the praise of others and we want them to think that we have it all together. So, what do we do with that? Those messages. Well, I have some application for you, but before I have application, I have some questions for reflection. And I, I, I don't do this often. I think I've maybe done this once, seven years, something like that. I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe it's the first time we're inventing new things. Um, I want us to think about the effects of these messages that Jesus has for us this morning briefly. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you through some questions. So I know some of you are holding kids and babies and just do the best of your ability to try to focus on these things. They're going to be okay if they run like down the aisles. Like, it's cool. Like, we're in church. It's going to be okay. Uh, but uh, I want you to be able to focus just for the next few minutes. So I'm going to ask you, um, first of all, I'm going to pray for us. And then I'm going to ask you in a spirit of prayer to think about some questions. Now, they're on your notes, so you can take them home with you. Uh, and they're going to be on the screens. But, but if, if you pray better with your eyes closed, not distracted, then you keep your eyes closed. Don't fall asleep on me. Keep your eyes closed. I'll read the questions to you. And you're going to talk to God about them in a spirit of prayer. So let's pray real quick. Father, um, we come before you, and we're asking that you would do a work in us right now. And you would really help us to think about, about these things. Uh, God, that we would really examine our lives and, and see if, uh, if these are applicable to us. And so, um, God, uh, we're going to pray this, this simple prayer. Uh, Father, show us how you're speaking to us right now. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. Amen. So three questions I'm going to ask you just to, uh, in a spirit of prayer, reflect on these things in your heart and in your mind between you and the Lord. Number one, am I daily becoming more like Jesus? Just ask yourself that question right now. Am I daily Becoming more like Jesus. Right? Maybe you, you word it like, am I being conformed into his image, into his likeness? Am I daily becoming more like Jesus? That goes beyond behavior. Maybe you ask, am I taking on his character? Am I taking on his nature? Ask him, say, Jesus, do I love what you love? Do I hate what you hate? Do I prioritize what you prioritize? Question two. Again, ask of the Lord in a spirit of prayer. Am I zealously pursuing the non-essential instead of focusing on loving God and loving people? Just ask that of him in a spirit of prayer.
Here's the last one I want you to uh, take before the Lord this morning. Ready? Again, just from your heart, be open, be honest with Him. Do I care so much about what others think that I am fake at church? Do I care so much about what others think that I'm fake at church? When you've answered those questions before the Lord, you can just look up here and it's okay if it takes you a couple minutes. Okay. Now with those answers in your mind and in your heart, I want to give you some what to do because of this message, okay? Now, here's the first. If you answered no to the first question or yes to the second or third, right? If if your answer was, no, I'm not really being conformed into the image of Jesus right now, right? Maybe you're doing, you're checking all the religious boxes, but, but your life's not being transformed. So if your answer was no to the first or if it was yes to number two or three. Like, yes, I'm zealously pursuing something other than loving God and loving people. Or, or, or um, yes, I care so much about what others think that I'm fake at church. So if your answer was no to the first, or yes to either two or three, the very first thing I would encourage you to do is repent. Right? Repentance means that I recognize the wrong. Okay? That I thank God for graciously pointing it out. Right? And, and I choose to turn from that. To say, you know what? It's not okay. I I don't want to be religious. I don't want to check the boxes. God, I want you. I want you to change my heart. I want to be on fire for you again. Right? We start walking back towards him, right? That's what we do. Okay? We we figure out, God, I've got caught up in in, in all. I mean, come on. It's not hard to say I got caught up in politics this last year, right? And say, man, I, I, I woke up in the morning. The first thing I would do was check the news instead of read my Bible. I know a lot of Christians that fell into that trap. And you know what you have to do? You have to repent. It's time to be like, oh my gosh. Man, I I don't have first things first. I say that I do, but I don't. Maybe you have to repent of that. Maybe there's a a million other things, right? Um, And and, and so so the first thing we do is repent, okay? Now here's the second thing we do. If you do that today, here and now where you are, this is the second thing you do. You rejoice. (laughs) And you thank God for the graciousness to gently point these things out to us in his word. Amen? Amen? Isn't God loving in the fact that when we are, are, are straying, you know, we, 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 we sang that song uh, that we're prone to wander. I'm not prone to wander. I'm prone to go on vacation. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't just wander. Like, I pack my bags and go. And in the midst of that, isn't God so good that he just lovingly calls us back and says, hey, 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 we're off track. Come on, bud. Come on. Let's get this right. Let's get this right. I pray that that is what God has done for you today. And if he has, there's just one more thing that you can do for us. And that's respond to him in a song of praise. And so uh, that's what we're going to do this morning. We're just going to ask you to stand up um, together. And if the Lord has spoken to you, I would ask you to worship him in response uh, as we sing um, one song together. Let me say a quick prayer for us. Lord, would you be glorified in what we do now? We're so thankful for you speaking to us. And we're so thankful for the way that you lovingly call us back to yourself. Help us be 
um, the kind of people we're meant to be, not just do the things that we're supposed to do. In your name we pray. Amen.